Good morning, Faith Builders Church. How are you? Amen. Can we do me a favor just a minute? Can we stand to our feet for just a minute all over the house? Sorry, I'm guest and I'm already being bossy. Sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. Uh, man, it's so good to be here this morning. Anyone thankful for the church? And thankful for this church, thankful for our faith builders, all this has meant in your life. Anyone thankful for Pastor Barb and the whole team here? And I mean, you stacked the crowd this morning. You got the home field advantage here, you know, you're paying them off. Um, what a great sense of God's presence in the house today. I'm so excited for um, what we're going to talk about and what I believe God wants to do over the next few minutes. Um, I just asked you to stand today because I want to take a minute and prepare our hearts for the word. Um, I don't know about you, uh, but there are times where I just come in to church distracted. You're thinking about that thing that's bugging you. You know what that thing is for you. You know, you're, God's already done some great work this morning, but you're just aware of where life um, has its challenges you know, I don't, anybody else feel like that? If nothing else, in 110 degree, maybe you just come in dehydrated. I don't know. I'm not used to this, by the way. So if I pass out, it's because of that. But, um, you know, what if, what if we just gave God some space today? What could he do in our, in our hearts and in our minds? So I wanted you to stand with me today because I just so trust God and his ability to do something in a few minutes that we can't do in a lifetime. And I may not know where you're coming from today. I may not know your story. I may not know, you know, you might be sitting on the edge or in the back of the room somewhere, um, you know, just mine somewhere else. I don't, I don't know where you're at today, but I just believe God has a word for us today, individually and corporately. So if you would just join me today, would you just lift up your hands to heaven one more time this morning? Jesus, 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 King Jesus. We stand in your presence this morning, Lord. We're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your life. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you that death has no sting because that grave is now empty. And the name of Jesus is written over our lives today. Thank you that we're part of your church, your beautiful, expansive, enduring church. Thank you for the generations of faithfulness we stand on today in this house, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you've raised up this house for such a time as this. And now, God, I believe today you want to speak. And I believe you want to work. In fact, my prayer coming in today, Jesus is out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, that you'd fan into flame the gift on the inside of us today in this house, Lord. The gift of ministry and love for your house. Would you stir it up even right now, Jesus? Stir up the gift on the inside of us that we would be found faithful to building your church, seeing your kingdom come and your will be done in this community, in this city, on earth, as it is in heaven. So just come right now, Jesus. We give you some space. Come and speak. We give you some room. Come and move today. Come and have your way. I pray I'd get out of the way and that you would completely have your way today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Now you can take your seats. Thanks, my friend. Don't get too comfortable. I'll call you back in a minute. All right. Play me off like the Oscars. 
Well, hey, it is so good to be here today. And uh, in the short, we're, we're, we're longtime friends now. We go back to dinner last night, you know, but, but I've already grown such a respect for, uh, for your pastor and for what God has done in this house, the foundation that we're building on, and just an expectation in my heart that God wants to do something great in this house. And uh, if you would just receive us today as, as church builders, you know, I, I'm, I'm the guy, I've grown up in the same church my whole life. So 41 of my 42 years on planet Earth have found me in one church under one pastor, under one vision. And somewhere along the way, um, God broke my heart for the church. Like somewhere along the way, I just developed this conviction that the church is like the greatest thing happening on planet Earth today. And I got to be careful not to preach because that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the church. We're going to talk about the beauty of the church. I'm praying today just reminds you of, of the, the, the great thing God is doing in the church and this church. Amen. And I do have my wife with me today. You can give the pastor's wife wave. Uh, there's my wife, my wife, Lindsay. Um, we've been married for almost nine, 19, 19, 19. I got it right. 19. You know, we're now old, so we forget the ages, you know, and the, the dates and all that. 19 years next month in September, we have two daughters. One is 12 and one is two because we're awesome at planning. Um, they are 10 years apart. Uh, actually, we, we have a so our 12-year-old. She's a preteen. And if anybody knows what a 12-year-old girl means, would you just extend your hands forward and just begin to pray for us right now in the name of Jesus? Just, it is exactly what you think, you know. And then uh, we had a COVID oops. Um, I'm supposed to say COVID surprise. Uh, I figured out when you go from traveling 275 days a year to staying home for seven months, you get pregnant. I figured out that's what that equation means. Um, so we had a COVID surprise. And uh, here, little, we were, we literally had a garage sale August of 2020, got rid of the last baby stuff that was still lurking in the corner of the garage, pregnant in September, God help us. Um, so we are navigating teenage life and toddler life simultaneously. Prayer and fasting appreciated uh, for us in Jesus' name. Hey, I just want to talk about the church today. And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't settle on my message today. And so I have like five messages all combined into one today. I just, I couldn't get settled on what I wanted to share. So I just figured we're going to go kitchen sink style today. And I just want to talk about some of my convictions about the church. If you want to start today, so the media team probably got my notes, and they're probably thinking I'm insane. And sorry, thank you guys for, for receiving that. Uh, turn in your Bibles to start today to Acts chapter 2, and they don't even have this verse because I just added this last night as if, as if a, a five-point message needed adding to. I just want to talk about the church today. I want to talk about the beauty of the church. I guess I came to remind you of the church's beauty and its potential. God loved the church. It says in, you know, Jesus loved the church, gave himself up for the church. Jesus is building his church. So I thought I'd start us today by taking us to the birthday of the church. You know, you're here today. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've been a part of church for a long time. You know, maybe you've, maybe you've done this. I pray that we never get to that place where this is just another Sunday 
or, you know, just another thing to us. I guess I just wanted to remind you what you're a part of by being a part of the church. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. See, the church began on probably a fairly unsuspecting day. The disciples were gathered together. It's believed in the upper room because they had been told to stay there. So they were there. They were waiting. Um, times were tough. Uh, Jesus, uh, you know, has resurrected. But there's a lot of controversy going on. This is not an easy time to be a follower of Jesus. Many of them probably feared for their lives. Um, they were now uh, coming against both the Roman Empire and the Jewish community. So they were, they were the outsiders here. And um, it says in Acts chapter 2 and 2, suddenly like the sound of a, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. You know the story. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire. It came, rest on each of them. They were each filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In other words, the Holy Spirit empowered the church and the church was born. This is the church's birthday. This thing that you and I are a part of, this is its... Genesis. This is a spectacular moment in history. This, if you think about it, this was the moment where all is reversed and redeemed. It, it is said in some of the context, this is considered the day where the curse from the Garden of Eden was redeemed. You know, man now had communion with God again. In that room. It's also said this is where the Tower of Babel was, was and the, the curse from that was broken. Man could now work together toward the plan and purposes of God. So it's, a, it's this incredible redemptive moment that has happened. They're filled with incredible boldness. And I love, we're not going to keep reading, but I, I love what happens next. Now, a little bit of context, if I can just take us to Bible school for a minute. This is the day of Pentecost. And it is happening during what is called the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. You might say, Brandon, why, why is this important? Here, the, I, I'm about to show you something really cool, why this is important. Jews from all over the world had gathered in Jerusalem. This festival was one of three times a year where Jewish people were supposed to or required to return to Jerusalem. So I just want you to think at this moment in Jerusalem, Jews from all over the world have now gathered back in Jerusalem and they're all heading into the temple for prayer. They're all heading into the temple to worship. How strategic is our God that he would show that he would choose to birth his church and pour out his spirit at a moment where the known world to them at the time was all focused on this city. So these disciples, they receive the Holy Spirit. They're filled with incredible boldness. These people that are probably huddled up somewhat fearing for their lives are now filled with incredible boldness. What do they do next? What's their first act as you know, recipients of the Holy Spirit? They head to the busiest place in town, the southern steps of the temple. They go to the place where the most people were gathered, Peter stands up, delivers the church's first sermon, and on that day, 3,000 people are added to their numbers. Now, this is not just 
3,000 people that would stay in Jerusalem. This is 3,000 people who would then scatter back to their own nations. How strategic and amazing is our God that on this day they would hear the gospel, they would receive the Holy Spirit, they would receive the outpouring of God on their life, and they would be scattered back to the nations of the world. The church is now born. And for the last 2,000 plus years, the church has been the most enduring, the most faithful, the most successful group the world has ever seen. You and I are a part of something so much bigger than us. And that's what I hope to remind us of today and stir up on the inside of us. I guess I, get, I came to tell you today, first of all, that God chose the church. God chose the church. This is not a man-made idea. This is God's idea. God chose the church. You see, the church is not the kingdom of God. The church is God's chosen vehicle to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. The kingdom of God is the place where Jesus rules and reigns in hearts and in minds. And the church is his vehicle. In other words, we are the representation of his kingdom on planet earth today. You want to see where Jesus rules and reigns? Look at his church. We are the body of his son. We are the bride of Christ. God chose the church. You might be saying, Brandon, why are we talking about this today? We live in this day where it is so trendy and so you know, culturally acceptable to be up on Jesus, but be down on his church. Have you noticed this? It is so culturally acceptable to cherry pick verses out and say, I'm a follower of Jesus uh, because I do this or because I do this, but, but I don't really care about that church thing, or I've been hurt by the church, or I've seen the imperfections of the church. And, you know, I believe the church is the greatest thing happening on planet earth. I do not believe the church is perfect. Is that okay to say in Faith Builders Church? Yeah, I, I believe the church has, has it, its chinks in its armor. You know, the church has its, has its imperfections. But I just wanted to remind you that perfection was never a prequalification to be used by God. <laughs> in fact, our God <laughs> is in the business of doing a perfect work through imperfect people. <laughs> so perfection was never a prequalification to be used by God in the first place. God chose the church. What I also wanted to remind you today is that the church is changing the world, that our world is better today because of the church. In fact, so much of what you enjoy in your life is a result of the faithfulness of the church throughout centuries and throughout generations. We have reduced the church down to this talking point, down, you know, down to criticism, down to this or that. We, so much of what we enjoy in the world today is because of the church. I mean, think about it. Do you like to educate your kids? You have the church to thank for the fact that we even have education systems in our world. Do you like to go to the hospital? Guess what? You have the church to think that there are hospitals that exist to care for you. You like, um, you, you like to um, 
You like the fact that we embrace charities and we embrace organizations of service? Guess what the first charity and first organization of service was in our world? It was the church. You like that we have a system of justice and a government that works for all people? Guess what? You have the church and the kingdom of God and the word of God to thank for a fair justice system. So, so, so much of our um, world has been educated through the church. Literacy rates have increased primarily in the world because people had to learn scripture. So much of what we appreciate and thankful for our lives is result of the church. So for all the people that say the church is in decline, or for all the people that say, you know, you know, the, 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 the church has its problems or the, the church has its stuff. I guess I came to remind you there's a bigger picture going on than that. As someone who's, as a couple, we spend our lives out serving the church every single weekend of the year. Let me tell you, the church is alive and well. And Jesus is doing something great in his church today. So I, I have five Here's how I put five messages into one. Are you ready for my brilliance today? I just want to talk to you about my top five convictions about the church right now. My, 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 just my five. This is me. My five convictions. Uh, you guys, our world is so confused right now. Our world is so upside down. We are having important conversations in all the wrong ways right now, and I'm just firmly believe a, a confused world needs a powerful church. Do you believe that? A confused world needs a clear church. Our, our, our churches, our, our communities have never needed healthy, thriving, life-giving churches like they do today. Here's my first conviction about the church. First conviction is this, don't listen to the news. <laughs> my, my real point is this, the church is moving forward. Turn on the news or read an article, look online for five minutes, and you're going to be told about the decline of the church. You're going to be told that millennials and Gen Z are disengaging. You're going to be told that church attendance is declining. You're going to be told that God isn't moving, that all that is a relic from the past. And let me just say, nothing could be further from the truth. The church is moving forward. <laughs> Matthew 16, in verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you. This is after, of course, he declared Jesus as the Messiah, a spectacular moment in, in the disciples' journey. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, we just talked about his first sermon. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The church is moving forward. Jesus is building his church today. I guess let me say this. The church is growing around the world. There are more people in church today than there were a year ago around the world in church. There are more people last year than there were the year before <laughs> and the year before. The church is moving forward. The church is also, by the way, the single most diverse group of people on the planet today. 
Think about it. The church exists in almost every nation of the world. The church exists and, and our, our, our text exists in, in countless languages. We got work to do, but countless languages around the world. I, we, we get on this thing, Pastor Barbara, about like we want our church to be diverse and I'm great and I'm from a diverse church. I love that. Let me just remind you, the church is diverse. It, we're, you know, we, we can't just focus on one house or one place. The church at large around the world is alive and thriving on every continent in the world. In most nations of the world, the church is diverse and the church is moving forward. We've got to zoom out of these narratives that we're being fed right now. I'm just telling you, don't listen to the news. The church is moving forward today. But here's how it happens. It happens in a really interesting way. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus taught them a parable. But he was teaching one day. The parable of the mustard seed. It says this in Matthew 13 and 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This parable, in other words, speaks to the idea that God's work may appear unimpressive at first. That it's so easy to overlook the seed of the gospel, the seed of the kingdom, what God is doing, but give it some time, give it some space, and the smallest of seeds becomes the largest of plants. So even though there are times where it feels like, you know, the work of God can't be seen, let me just remind you, God's church is moving forward today. God's church is taking ground, and, and, and though we may not see it, it is happening. Let's also beware, by the way, great gardeners, this, this isn't in my notes, but great gardeners prune their garden. You want a healthy plant? You want a healthy, I should have, I should have brought the picture of the one plant by our house. Our, our neighbors, our houses were built at the same time and we had the same thing of like tall grass bush planted at the same time. We have taken care of ours. We prune ours down to the bottom every single winter. They have not. And I should show you what happened after three years. Theirs was smaller, um, like looked like, like it was kind of half dying, had weeds growing up into it, whereas ours, thank you, I'm, I'm such a master gardener, as you can tell, I can grow grass, um, is uh, ours was, was thriving, weed-free, big, expansive, and just want to remind you, great gardeners are, uh, prune their garden. And I think the last couple of years we've been through a little bit of pruning, my church and your church, uh, let's just remember that's maybe the faithfulness of our God to help the seed and the plant continue to move forward. I'm just saying don't, you might say you love God and I believe you. You might say um, I love his word and I believe you, um, but content on your phone does not. And social media does not. And I'm just telling you, don't listen to the news. God is doing a great thing in his church. The church is moving forward. There's my first sermon for you. Let's go on to the second one now. Here's my second one. It's not about us. We're not that good. <laughs> it's not about us. Come on, we're talking about the church moving forward today. It's not about us. 
My point here is that the church moves forward by the grace of God. In other words, I do understand it is about us. God so loved the world. He gave his son. I understand. But at the end of the day, how the church grows and how the church moves forward is not about us. The church moves forward as God graces us and as God builds the house. I'm saying this as someone who spend, wakes up every single day to help churches move forward. And help, I'm, I'm a strategist. I'm a builder. Like, give me some soil to put my hands down into and let me build. I, I'm a builder. I'm a strategist. I'm here all day long to help the church move forward in a healthy, godly way. But at the end of the day, church growth is above our paycheck. <laughs> it is not about us. Church, the church moves forward according to the grace and purpose of God and how he is establishing his purpose. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, a verse I'm really convicted about right now. This is Paul talking to Timothy out of his final letter. These are some of the final words of the great church builder, Paul. And he says this, we are sa he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his purpose and his grace. This is Paul writing to Timothy, by the way, trying to ensure the continuance of the gospel. Paul's writing from prison. This is his final letter. These are his final instructions. The end for him is near, and he's writing to Timothy, imploring him to be faithful to the work of the ministry, faithful to the work of the gospel. And he's saying, Timothy, this is not about you. This is not about any of us. This is about the purposes and the grace of God. I guess let me say this. There is a reason that God has established this house. The word holy, one of the most complete understandings of the word holy in Scripture would mean to be set apart. Holiness is not just perfection. It's not just not messing up. I hope you understand that today. Things in, in the Old Testament, like, like objects in the temple, were called holy because they were set apart, because they were reserved for service because they were reserved for use in God's house. And I just want to remind you that this house, God has set apart this house for a very specific use in the world. God has raised up this house. It's not about us. It's about his purpose. And it's about his grace. But when this house finds that, and I believe you have, but when, when, when our churches, when we find and we tap into the special work that God is doing. Like, that's our grace zone as a church. I, d I just wanted to remind you that as we seek to build church and as we seek to evangelize, and we should do all those things, I just want to remind you, this is not about us. This is about the purposes and grace of God. This is about his kingdom coming to Phoenix. This is about his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about us. We're not that good. It's about his church moving forward on his grace. My third conviction, I just wonder, by the end, I hope one of these speaks to you. Maybe, maybe everyone around the room would have a different handle. I, I just came to offer you um, some conviction today. Here's my third one. Faithfulness is the new hotness. My subtitle there, the church moves forward through everyone's contribution. Faithfulness is the new hotness. <laughs> I've never said that in church before. That's amazing. 
I think I was in a mood when I wrote this. <laughs> I guess I have a question for you. What's our target as we seek to build a great church? Like, what's the goal? What's our target? Is our target to build a big church? I mean, I like, I like churches that grow. I like new. Is that the goal? Is it to build like a sexy, cool church? Is it to build an Instagrammable church? I mean, what's the goal? What are we here? What are we doing? What's the target? <laughs> a couple years ago, as we were making our way through the pandemic and, you know, we were all, we were all locked in our homes making sourdough bread, questioning our lives, you know, um, collectively together. The question I began to ask myself just in my own prayer time, is what does Jesus consider faithful in his church? You ever thought, you ever wondered? Like, what would Jesus call faithful? Because isn't that the target? We're not here to build something for us. We're here to build something that Jesus would look at and say, well done. Like, well done, my good and faithful servant. This isn't in my notes, but that led me. I did a year-long study on um, the letters that Jesus wrote to the churches in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and 3. It's really interesting. Don't, you know, Revelation, by the way, don't get too spooked out about Revelation. It's not as scary as you might think it is. I know there's stuff in there. There's the beasts and the bulls and the pregnant lady and all this, all this stuff, but it's okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's actually considered one of the most helpful books for New Testament believers. Anyways, uh, or, um, Roman, good Lord, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches. And what's really interesting is that five of the seven letters are rebukes. Like, Jesus has some pretty tough things to say to five of the seven churches. Now, here's what I want you to remember. These are persecuted early churches. These are not American churches worshiping in freedom, right? These are persecuted <laughs> underground, in some cases, churches, and Jesus still had tough words to say to them. Really sobered me thinking, like, we need to think a lot more soberly about what we're building. For those of us that get to worship God and serve in a free nation, you know, we, we're, we're not worried about our physical safety gathering under the name of Jesus today. We're some of the most blessed believers on the face of the planet. It just, it just made me stop. If Jesus had things to say to them, I thought, oh God, Jesus, what would you say about my ministry? What would you say about my church? I just wonder, what would Jesus consider faithful in the church? I believe a partial answer is found in Matthew chapter 25. You don't have to turn there, but it's the parable of the talents. It's where we get the verse, well done, my good and faithful servant. And what we see there is one, Jesus is telling the parable, one, a master came to his servants and entrusted one with five, you know the, the parable, one with two, one with one, each according to their ability. Then the master goes away. This is a picture of the church. The master goes away. Our, our, our master, King Jesus, is away right now. And while the master's away, the servants were entrusted with talents. So they were entrusted with opportunity, with wealth, with resources. And at some time later, doesn't say when, 
But at some time later, the master came back to settle accounts with them. He basically asked, what, what did you do with what I gave you to do? And the ones that were found faithful were the ones that multiplied. The ones that were found faithful, the one that was found faithful, that was the one that took five and turned it into ten, right? Remember the parable? The one that was given two, turned it into four. He was also found faithful. The one that received one, though, sat on his opportunity, you know, sat on his moment. He had a wrong view of the master. He had a wrong view of the moment. He sat on his opportunity. I find this really interesting. He came back to his master with one, and he said, here's what belongs to you. Now, what's really interesting is, is it's not that he came back with nothing. It's that he was given one, and he brought one back, but he was called a wicked servant. I mean, that's interesting because it could have been argued, well, at least it didn't decline. <laughs> I mean, he, still, he got one and he gave one. The only conclusion we can draw from that parable is biblical faithfulness is fruitfulness. That bearing fruit for the kingdom of God is biblical faithfulness. I just wonder today, what is in your hand as a believer? that Jesus has given you to do in ministry? What, what ministry calling, what ministry opportunity is sitting on the inside of you? Talents, meaning, meaning opportunity, resource, relationships. What is sitting in your life? Because here's what we know from the parable. Each one was given something. So each of the servants was given something. We also see they were expected to do something with what they had been given, and they were held accountable. I know this is kind of a sobering point in the message, but I just wanted to remind you that it doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter your background, your story. It doesn't matter how much is in your bank account today. None of that matters to the point of you are, if you're here and you are a Christ follower and you belong to Jesus, I just wanted to remind you today that there is ministry stamped on your life. There is a calling of God on your life. I, I hate the term full-time ministry. We use that term, right? You know, full-time ministry, we're kind of referring to like the, the church staff or pastors or something. I hate the term full-time ministry, and here's why. I was unaware there was a part-time option to being a Christian. <laughs> like, like, like to be a believer in Jesus is to be called into ministry. All ministry means is service. You are stamped with purpose. You are stamped with ministry. I just wonder if you are being faithful with what Jesus has given you to do today. I think faithfulness is the new hotness. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing we ought to be celebrating in church, that those that wake up every single day going, Jesus, I just want to be faithful today with what you have given me to do in your kingdom and in your church. There is gifting on the inside of you. There is purpose on. We are saved and we are called to a holy life, not because of what we've done, but because of his purpose and his grace. There is purpose and grace on your life for ministry today. The church moves forward through everyone's contribution. One more verse on that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 
Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Look at it. Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is why we started our ministry leading second. Is we wanted to resource those who wanted to build God's house. Wherever you found yourself on the team. Pastors often have a lot of resources and I'm thankful for that. I have not, not a problem with that in the world. I think our pastors are worth double honor. I need all the resourcing in the world to go the distance and be faithful to their calling. No problem with that. I just saw there was a lack of resources for all of us who lead from the middle. All of us who build from the middle. Behind every great leader that you see doing something great for God, you're going to find an army of people contributing to that vision, holding up their arms. And we, we just realize the church moves forward when everyone contributes. The church moves forward when every part does its work. Amen. Do you receive this today? Are, are, are we okay? Okay, I still got two more and it gets worse. So um, <laughs> my fourth, I'll be quick, but my fourth is in the form of a question I wanted to ask you today. Are you a renter or an owner? <laughs> the church moves forward through an ownership spirit. There's a difference between renting something and owning something. I spent years of my life, decades of my life, renting a home. Now that we own the home, you know, when you, when you rent a house, the toilet breaks, you make a phone call. And some magic toilet fairy shows up at some point and fixes the toilet, and you're all good. When you own the home, you got to fix it, or you got to hire. Is, is a check to a plumber not the worst check you'll ever write in your entire life? Sorry if there's any plumbers in the room. I love you. Pray your business prospers. Um, <laughs> we had to fix a sink this year. I'm like, where's the sink fairy that I used to just call? But in other words, something happens when you realize that's not now someone else's problem. That's now my problem. When we had our COVID surprise, our, our baby, Lindsay says, I'm 40, I'm pregnant, I want a proper mom car. I said, yes, ma'am. And so uh, we only had one car at the time. We, live, we lived on the road, you know, before COVID. So we had one car, went out to get us a second car and did what we almost never get to do. I bought a new car that day. And I love our car. It's a great car. We got to have, the, you know, the new car off the lot experience. Um, I am the guy that has the monthly car wash membership. We go like every day. Uh, I, I will vacuum the trunk. I have like the food rules in the car, right? Like you don't eat. In fact, someone spilled something the other day and I'm still irked about it. You know, like, like it's like you don't touch the new car. Why am I like that? Why? It's mine. I have to make the payment. <laughs> You know, it's my, like my, my family has to get in that car. It's mine. I own it. Okay, I'm driving a rental car. 
out here today, I could care less about that rental car. Like, I will take a pothole at 100 miles an hour and not give a rip about that car. Why? Why? It's Enterprise's problem. <laughs> they can deal with it. Bust a tire, you, the tire fairy comes, and all of a sudden you have a new car. It's great. Because there's a difference of renting something and owning something. And I wonder today, are you a renter of a, the vision of this house, or do you own the vision of this house as if it were your own? Can I just show you something in scripture? I'm going to, sorry, I got to move quick. First Corinthians chapter four, here's your verse on this. Paul is talking and he says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Look at it, we're servants of Christ. You could say the master entrusted his servants with talents. But then he says, we don't just stop there. We're stewards. What's a steward? A steward is a manager of someone else's property. A steward is someone who manages property as if it was their own, even though it's not their own. You have to understand this today. A steward is someone, like in their context, a steward of the house <clears throat> would manage the household budget, would manage the household staff, would manage the household tasks for the day. In other words, the steward is not the owner, but the steward lived like an owner. And it is so easy when you come into a church, this church has been here for years and years, it is so easy when you come into a story midstream to just kind of come in and not understand the ownership spirit that a house like this has been built on. And it's so easy to kind of come in and just consume and just, just take and just receive, but something has to shift in us. If we're gonna build a faithful church, if we're gonna build a church that moves forward, great churches are built on an ownership spirit. People that don't just say, that's that church over there, or my friend's church, or Pastor Barb's church. It's built on people that say, Faith Builders Church is my church. This church is my responsibility. I am a steward of the mystery that God is unfolding here at Faith Builders Church. Servants of Christ, stewards in the mysteries of God. If I can just put a little bow on my sermon Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found because it's the new hotness. Faithfulness is the new hotness. Are you getting this today, Faith Builders Church? Okay. I got one more. We can, we can start landing the plane here. I learned during COVID I'm a land the plane guy on Zoom calls. Um, every, everybody's got their little thing, right? I didn't know it. I'm a land the plane guy. I can't not say it at the end of every Zoom call and every message. We're going <laughs> to. Here's my last point for you. Is don't talk about my mama like that. <laughs> I've never said this in church either. This is so much fun. I was in a snarky message, mood when I wrote this message. Don't talk about my mama like that. The church moves forward when we come together in unity. I guess I'm just tired right now of people whose entire online persona is just to tear down the church. I'm just tired of it. I can understand having questions about your faith. The gospel, by the way, has provision for our questions. If you have questions, guess what? The more you study scripture, the more questions you'll probably have. The Bible has provision 
for those that have questions. Thomas needed to see Jesus' scars, so Jesus provided the scars. There is provision for your doubt, and there is provision for your questions. But that is different than being critical and divisive in the church. The church is the bride of Christ. If you want to think about it like this, we're all products of the church. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit on this point today. We were just talking about it last night. We're all here because of the church. We're all products of the church's faithfulness and work. It's in the church that I found something bigger than myself to be part of. It's in the church where I found wisdom for my life. It's in the church I learned to manage my finances. It's in the church I met some of my best friends. It's in the church I've had moms and dads in the faith who have helped raise me. And now I get the chance to do it with others. We have our own daughters now. Now it's in the church. Our daughter was excited to come to Phoenix, but she was so bummed to become a, I'm thinking, kid, you're so spoiled. She didn't want to get on the plane yesterday. Why? She wanted to be at home and in church. I was like, like, is your story like mine? Because I just feel like the church raised me. The church gave me a target for what it meant to be a man, what it meant to truly be successful, what it meant to truly be. I didn't learn that out there. I learned it in the church. Like we're products of the, of the church, the people's faithfulness. The chair you're sitting on, that chair, the, the, the roof over our heads, you know, these things represent someone else's sacrifice. Like the, not saying this is shameless, but someone somewhere back gave in an offering, sacrificed a vacation or a car or something they wanted to keep for their family. They gave in an offering so that you could have a chair to sit on today to hear the word of God over your life. Like we're all products of someone else's faithfulness. And in the day where we're, we're so quick to criticize the church, we're so quick to say the church is to this and the church is to that and the church doesn't measure up here. Like I kind of view the church like my mama. And it's like, I know mom isn't perfect. No one in the world thinks their mom's perfect. We all know where mom's got issues, right? Like your mama's got issues. My mama's got issues. Like I, we have issues. But there's something that's got to rise up on the inside of us when we're talking to people. Say, so don't talk about my mama like that. Like, don't, we don't do that. Like, I know mom's not perfect, but she's still mom. <laughs> and Jesus is still king. He's got to still our father in heaven. And don't talk, anybody seeing it? Like the, okay, back, to, we'll, we'll, we'll close where we started today. In Acts chapter two, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the church had this brief moment of peace, of establishment, but it wasn't long until their journey would be marked by trouble. In fact, the journey of the early church was marked by two things. And I want you to think about this for a minute as we close. The journey of the early church is the same as our journey today. They were marked by external opposition and internal division. The two primary ways the early church was attacked is the same ways we're attacked. External opposition and internal division. 
Now, we can't do anything about what happens outside our doors in some ways. And we already know the end of that story. Greater is Jesus in us than he that is in the world. The gates of hell will not prevail against God's advancing church. So we know the end of that story. We win. But I will tell you what's a challenge in church, and that's internal division, internal strife. I will never understand people that are willing to split a church or, or bring division in the house, who don't see the church as the holy, beautiful bride of Christ as she. I don't understand how someone can touch that. I'm not saying the church is perfect. I'm just saying something's got to rise up in us as church builders where we don't tolerate division in the house, where we don't tolerate strife. I mean, stay around the church for five minutes. You're going to see her imperfections. You're going to have a, you're going to bump your head with someone else in the room. You know that person right now you're thinking about like, I sure hope they hear this message today. God, God give them ears to hear, Lord. Okay. <laughs> that person, you know, like something's got to rise up on the inside of us that says, we're not going to tolerate. This house may not be perfect. And this house may have its stuff, but at the end of the day, we are stronger when we're united. We're stronger when we guard and when we defend the church. And I just, I, I'm just here right now. Like, I, I am good. I'm good to have the important conversations we need to have about the church. I am so good to help and build where she needs to be built. But at the end of the day, don't talk about mom that way. Like, I'm here to guard and defend and protect the unity of the house. And I just wonder if anyone at Faith Builders Church is with me on that today. You're willing to guard and protect the precious, precious work that Jesus is doing for us. So here's my points for you. My points were don't listen to the news. <laughs> my points are don't listen to the news. It's not about us. <laughs> Faithfulness is the new hotness. Are you a renter or an owner? <laughs> Don't talk about my mama like that. I, what I really wanted you to see, all, all jokes aside, I wanted you to see the church is moving forward. I wanted you to see the church moves forward by the grace of God. I wanted you to see the church moves forward through everyone's contribution. I wanted you to see the church moves forward through an ownership spirit. And the church moves forward when we come together in unity. Amen. Can I have like two minutes and show you one more really cool thing? I know we're going long. I'm a guest. Pastor Barb will be back next week. It'll be so much better. She'll be on time. Can I just show you one more thing? Because I, I just, okay. <laughs> this is going to bless you. So there's this passage in the book of Hebrews. It's ending Hebrews 11. It's ending the, the hall of faith. Beautiful chapter. You've probably read it. And the writer, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but the writer is just listing off the heroes of our faith. Can I just read this over you today? Hebrews 11:32. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdom. This is our legacy, by the way. Administered justice and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. 
Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Look at verse 38. The world was not worthy of them. Striking words. A faith the world was not worthy of. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves, in the holes in the ground. But here's where I wanted to show you in verse 39. All of that, the hall of faith, the incredible heritage that we have in the kingdom of God. From Old Testament to New Testament. But look at what verse 39 says. This is our promise as the church today. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. In other words, they didn't know Jesus. They, they, they didn't, didn't have the gospel. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, they would be made perfect. What I wanted you to see, first of all, is the incredible foundation we're standing on in the church. The kingdom of God from day one has been advancing here on the earth. It's advanced through the faithful, sacrificial contribution of many. Many who just said, my life is not my own. Like I'm here to do everything I can to advance the purpose of God from, from my place, from my seat. But God had something better even for us. That work continues and it continues today through faith builders. Church, well, Pastor Barb, I got thinking I just had a thought one day. If you read the letters in the early church, so we're talking the epistles, the book of Acts, even the book of Revelation, if you read the letters and you think about it, there are names that are mentioned throughout, mem members of different early churches. You've probably never heard a sermon on any of these names. You've probably just glossed over their names to get to the good stuff. But these are men and women who were early church builders, who originated from that early church in the book of Acts. So I did a little research. I just wondered, who are these people that get mentioned that we, we've never heard a sermon about? I came to realize there's about 120 named believers in the New Testament church in Scripture. If we have the slide, we can put it up for you. There's, about a, there's a list of about 120 names. There they all are, compiled into one list from the book of Acts to the book of Revelation. And when you look at that list, I want you to think of something. You've never heard a sermon on any of those people. You probably don't know who most of those people are. I don't know who most of those people are. What they did, myself and a team, we looked up every single one of them. Because here's what I could figure the early church in the first century already was quite large and expansive. It was growing in every nation of the known world. So it, it grew by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions. And of the hundreds of thousands in the, er the first century early church, these 120 were called out in Scripture. So what they did, we may not know it, but what they did was significant. Significant enough for Paul writing from prison to say, hey, say hi to so-and-so. Say hi to so-and-so for me. Could I tell you about a couple of these really fast? Because I looked them up. We researched every single one of them. 
I wonder if you've ever heard about Phoebe. Phoebe was a deacon in the church in Rome. She was a patron also, which means she was a financial contributor. What you may not know about Phoebe is she personally delivered the book of Romans to Rome. In other words, she took an 800-mile journey by foot, financed it, paid for it. This is not USPS. <laughs> You're delivering the crown jewel of Paul's writings to its intended audience, to the capital of the known world. She did that. You may have never heard a sermon about her, but she moved the church forward because she was at her post. I could tell you about Aquila and Priscilla. You may have heard about them. They were a married couple in Corinth and later in Ephesus. They were business owners. They helped plant the early church in Ephesus, which was one of the strongest of the first century churches. They hosted the church of Ephesus in their home and they were notable for their hunger for Christ and their biblical knowledge. And they are mentioned. This faithful church building couple, Paul took them to Ephesus to plant the church. And in 2 Timothy, in Paul's final letter, he mentions Aquila and Priscilla. All these years later, they're still faithful, like they're still at their post. In his final letter, he says, hey, just say hi to Aquila and Priscilla for me. Hello from prison. They were at their post. They were faithful. I could tell you about Epenetus. This one's interesting. Epenetus was the first convert for the church in Asia. Some of you were the first convert for Christ in your family. Can you imagine being the first for a continent? Can you imagine the opposition and the faithfulness required? But he moved the church forward. I could tell you about Archippus. Archippus was kind of a campus pastor or a location pastor, an associate pastor at the church in Colossae. He was referred to by Paul as a fellow soldier. He hosted the church in his home. I could tell you about Epaphras. Epaphras was also from the church in Colossae. He ministered in the church. He was imprisoned with Paul and was eventually martyred. He was referred to by Paul as a faithful servant in Christ. The only person that Paul used that phrase for was Timothy. So he was right there with Timothy, a faithful servant in Christ. I could tell you about Lydia. Lydia was a businesswoman who converted to Christianity as a Gentile, so she wasn't a Jew. She hosted Paul and Silas in her home. And she is described in scripture as a worshiper of God. Just got two more for you. I could tell you about Clement. This one's really interesting. Now, if, and this is a big if, if the Clement that we see mentioned in the book of Philippians is the same Clement from Rome, and we believe that it is, then this Clement, who grew up in church, would go on to become one of the first popes in Rome. I want you to think about this for a minute. At the time of the writing of Scripture, he was in his mid-20s. So when the apostles were aging, he was a young person in church. And he's considered, Clement is considered to be one of the key bridges from the first generation of the church to the second and third generation. Just makes you stop and think in a room like this, especially I see some believers who I believe have been in church for a bit, makes you wonder who's in their mid-20s sitting in this room right now who is marked by a call of God on your life. You may go out to have a Clement story on your life. You may go out, we may not hear of you again, but you go out to stay faithful to the work of God. You go on to do something great 
great. I just wonder, Pastor Rob, who's cooking in a room like this? Who's just sitting under the word, under the things of God? That was Clement. And the last one, and I'll close with this. I've been over my time and I apologize today, but I could tell you about Persis from the church in Rome. Do you want to know what we know about her? Nothing. We don't know anything about her. She's in a list of names. History never recorded her contribution. She was named in scripture, so we, we know it was significant. But you know how she was described? It was described that she worked very hard for the Lord. Like, I wonder, would you be willing to be faithful if all that was ever known about you was they worked really hard for the Lord? Would you still be found faithful? If your name was never the one in lights, all that went down in history, God certainly sees and knows. But if all that was ever known for man is, you know, they were really faithful. They, were, they worked hard for the Lord. I pray today has just stirred up your love for the church. Helped you see the beauty of this thing that we're a part of, the expansiveness. The church is the most beautiful and the most enduring group of people that has ever existed on planet Earth. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Jesus, I thank you today for Faith Builders Church. What a beautiful sense of your presence in the house this morning, Lord. And Father, right now I pray for this house. Would you lift your hands with me all over the room? Father, I thank you for this house, for the men and women and young people you've assembled for such a time as this. God, I thank you today for your purpose and your grace on this house. And Father, today my prayer at the end is the same as the prayer at the beginning, that you would stir up on the inside of us you would fan into flame the gift of God that is on the inside of this house, Lord. I pray today that you would break our hearts for the church. I pray that you would help us to see that your church is enduring and your church is moving forward. And thank you for the contribution we get to make to it, Lord. I pray, Father, a resolve, a fire to rise up on the inside of us, Father, to be church builders, to be found faithful with what you've given us to do, Jesus. And as we do, God, I pray that you would grace and bless this church. I pray that this church would prosper and this church, Father, would be successful in everything it puts its hands to do for the glory of the name of Jesus. Father, that we would be effective in raising sons and daughters in the faith, Father, to go on and faithfully serve you, that we would be effective, Father, in reaching people in this community for you. Help us, God. Help us today. And we will be so careful to give you all the praise and to give you all the glory for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it, let's give it up for Pastor Brendan uh, today. You can all be seated. Anybody in the room ready to accept the good news or reject the bad news? Anybody in the room ready to embrace the gospel, not only for yourself, but for everybody around you? Everybody ready to become faithful in the house of God for kingdom purposes? Everyone ready to become an owner? You know, we talk about this a lot at this church. This is your church, your church, to allow the gifts to occur. And I'm sure many of you in the room this morning are wondering, how in the world can I transition from where I am to what he's talking about? What I want to do is I want to invite you to come back tonight at 5 o'clock because it's important that you do transition from where you are. It's important that you do just start with what you've got in your hand today. And trust me, what you hold in your hand today is more than enough 
to accomplish all the things that God has for you to do. I want to honor this couple here this morning. You know what he's talking about is legacy. And I don't know if that's ever been spoken over you too, but I'll tell you, I see it all over your lives, all over your ministry, all over everything that you do. You could accomplish many things in life, but I promise you, you're not going to leave with even one red cent. You won't even leave with the clothes on your back. The legacy to be built is found in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, because I promise you this much, you're going to go from this life to the next, no matter what. No matter what. And what are you going to hold in your hand? What are you going to hold in your hand? I want to challenge you. Come on out here tonight at 5 o'clock. We're going to move this church into such a dimension in the kingdom of God that we could not even have thought about it or felt it in our own hearts. But I promise you this much, everything and everywhere this church is going requires all of you and those out there. We're going to do this thing for God. We're going to create a legacy church, and we are going to move forward in God's kingdom. Amen? So I want to honor them this morning with a offering this morning. They have expenses to come out here. Uh, they came all the way from Washington to, to come out and bless our church this morning. And I just want to encourage you, give and it shall be given to you. you got to understand, when there's a gift in the house like there is this morning, and there is every single week, don't misunderstand me, but when there's a specialized gift that comes in, and I'm standing here, and I'm, I know Pastor Barb and, and our pastors and elders for such a time as this, you too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. But mere words can't pay their bills. Mere words can't pay that car payment he was talking about. Mere words can't raise a little baby. Mere words can't raise a teenager. Hallelujah. So if you just prepare your gift this morning, be generous in your giving, knowing that you're giving to a generous God who will reward you for diligently seeking Him this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank You and I praise You for Brendan and Lindsay and the word that they've brought here this morning. I thank You for the anointing that they carry, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the authenticity. I thank you for the secret time when no one else knew and no one else cared. And Father God, they took the time to develop that relationship with you and those gifts, those talents, those anointings that they carry. What an investment they are into the kingdom of God. I just thank you, Father God. The gifts this morning will go into good soil, Father God. I believe that they are. I hold my own gift in my own hand this morning to honor you for bringing this gift to our body tonight, today, and this evening. Have your way in them, Father God, and have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Great job. I imagine your wife, Lindsay, she's got the same anointing. Huh? The two shall become one. Hallelujah. It's a becoming. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, those of you who are out here, just real quick while we're finishing up the offering, you know, if you're having difficulty in your marriage, just remember, it's the two becoming one. It takes time. It takes a lifetime. 
the more you'll cherish that, I'm telling you, the more you'll lean into that hard, I'll tell you, you have the greatest marriage you've ever experienced in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're almost through here this morning. I want to make sure we have plenty of time to receive this offering. You can write the offering to Faith Builders Church. We'll make sure every, every penny gets to their ministry. Am I missing anything, Pastor Barb? We good? Okay. Y'all good out here this morning? You know, it's amazing how you can receive a word from the Lord. It might seem a little tough, but how he delivers it is like, wow, I'm just inviting you into where I am. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I can attest to what he's talking about. It's what seems difficult in the natural is so easy in the supernatural. Remember, you can't do anything in and of yourself. But in Christ, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for every gift in the room, Father God. Every person, Father God, that's been called and equipped for the work of the ministry, Father God. We just thank you for them here in this body. May they find their place, Father God. May they do what they know to do in their hearts. We just give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, and all God's people said, amen. We'll see you at 5 o'clock tonight. Don't miss it.